Oh, it's a bit loud, isn't it? <laughs> Shall we turn that down a bit? Yes. Oh, God, I've got a tiny bit of a headache. Um, well, good morning. Well, it doesn't need to be morning. No, it doesn't really, Anytime, does it? Any time. Any time. It could Might be tea time. Yeah. Well, it's probably what, what they're doing when they're listening to this. Snacking, most of them. You know, Snacking, like, bound yeah. to be, whatever time of day or night. Hey, uh, hi, snackers. It's Jenny Eclair and... Judith Holder. And we are together... Older, older and, and wider. With a D. Very good. Uh, I've got stress headaches. I'm just going to... I'm just going to... I'm, Look, oh, two lovely two yellow huge. pills. They're like horse pills. I don't know what they are. I hope they're not suppositories that are I'm they taking. Legal? Are they legal? I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? Are they recreational? It might be more fun if I take them. I don't know. Yeah. Now, hold on. You hold the fork because I don't want to choke. Yeah, yeah. I quite fancy some recreation, recreational You can't drugs. even say it. You're obviously, <laughs> you're obviously on them. <laughs> I mean, just Slurring your words. No, no, I really do fancy some recreational drugs. I wouldn't know where to get them. That would be my problem. I know people. Do anyway, you? What um, do you do hang around on corners? I live in London, darling. Yeah, you do. You live in a village in Oxfordshire. I know. They need to sell them in Waitrose and then they'd go like a storm. Oh, can you imagine? They'd be nicely wrapped. They would. Well, I think they should be by the macaroons, those really expensive macaroons. What, so that you don't buy the macaroons? Well, that, that oh, would be oh, a, no, the added advantage. You but... see, you get the munchies, don't you? Well, oh, that's true. You could put them in the same pack and they'd just be part of the deal. You wouldn't actually have to say anything. That's It would just be, you know, a new should brand. Should be encouraging drug use amongst the middle age. Surely there's... Well, I think possibly we should. Surely we have other ways of enjoying ourselves. What? You've been gardening, Judy. Oh, yeah, like that's going to really help. Yeah, I have been gardening because the whole gardening season has started. That this And do you know what? The thing about gardening is I've got this love-hate relationship with it. We bought this lovely garden, an acre of garden. Well, you garden. bought a house with a lovely garden. Yeah, I you know. just don't live out mm, in the garden yeah, in but, a tent. You know, that was a lovely idea, wasn't it? And it was a big reason why we bought the house. Did because... you buy the house in the summertime? Did you go and look at oh, it? Oh, so in the summertime. Have you seen? So in the summertime. Never view a house <sighs> in the summertime. I know. With all the trees and the roses. Is around. I know. You want to go last day of November. <laughs> but then, yeah, well, we certainly wouldn't have bought our house if that was the that case. That is house viewing it is, day. right, it is. It's like shopping when you're not hungry, you Absolutely. mean. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. Well, it's a good theory, Jenny, but anyway, we needed somewhere to live. Yeah. So, yes, we bought this house with, a, with an acre of garden. Mike, I remember it distinctly, said to me, yeah, well, I'm going to get really into gardening. That's what he said. I oh, quote. should have taken that with a pinch of salt. You're not kidding. He, okay. goes all the, he goes away all the time. Yes, he does. Anyway, let's just stick with gardening because I need to get this all off my chest. So, yes, we've got, I mean, I, you know, it's lovely. It's a gorgeous garden and some of it's wild, you know. Well, well it wasn't when you bought it, but it is now. Yes, it's getting wilder. And... To be, you know, because I'm a bit finickety when I'm, and, I've got, and I've got control issues... For me, I just go in the garden, and this is interesting. It was all coming out in a great gush now. Sorry, this is the difference between Mike Judith's and I. Judith's lying down on a sofa <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> this is the difference between Mike and I. Okay, Mike can go into the garden and set and, and take a cup of coffee, and he can say, "Isn't the garden looking lovely?" Okay, and I go to the garden. See anything, don't, nothing, doesn't see any flaws. Doesn't see anything. No. I go into the garden with the with a cup of coffee exactly the same time and say, mm, yeah, but you know, look, that needs weeding and that's got to come out and you need to do this and the apple tree t- needs to do. I can't. It's like house. Take your glasses like a, off. It's like a fucking great house that <laughs> I've taken on. Yeah, it's outside. an outside house. It's, it's an outside house. It's a bloody outside yeah, house. I know. I, 
That's not, I don't have much of a garden. I, mine is mostly sort of jetty and pebbles and then... That's not what I call a garden, Jenny. Well, not in it, but for London, it is a garden. Mm. No, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying it's not nice, it is, and it's very clever because it means you don't have to get the bloody lawnmower no, out. No, don't have to or do Or the anything. strimmer. Or, you know, the roller and, and the wheel. All know, I do now, from about June onwards, I go out every day and I talk to my roses and I go, hello, my lovely ladies, my lovely, lovely ladies, hello, my lovely ladies. <laughs> Yes, you're really doing well, I believe, in I think power. Those, I think those pills have just kicked in, haven't they? Wish, I'm hoping so. Anyway. My God, Jelly. Yeah, sometimes you really worry me. Why? Talking to your roses like that. Well, I think it's sensible. I think that I'm with Prince Charles on that one. Oh, do you think God. they grow better? Or is so just... much so, yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. Because you love them. And not only do they grow better, they talk back to me. They a little whisper voice. <laughs> When I go, hello, my lovely ladies, my lovely, lovely ladies, a little voice goes, hello, you lovely lady, you we think you're lovely too. Yeah, they do. I actually don't know what to say to this. I'm really quite troubled. Where are you with troubled. your gardening uh, calendar then? What do you yes. have to do? Okay, well, the first thing is that lawn mowers, oh. plural, oh, have had to come God. out. The sit-on Have you lower. got a sit-on? Got a sit-on and an ordinary. I use the, I can't use the sit-on because get I always make it. When, when you sit on your... <laughs> I think I probably no, would. which means do I get an orgasm? Well, I think sitting on a... Thing? I think I'd made it. If I had a sit-on lawnmower and yeah. enough grass to sit on and mow, yeah. I'd probably sit there and have a bit of a sort of orgasm. What, do you mean literally? Or well, because thinking, you had a, well done what? me. And then I'd rub myself around on it and hope there was a little bit of a vibration. <laughs> and Yeah, because there's got to be some perks Cause you, to were, were you into horse riding when you were young? Oh, well, you know what you're still waiting for and I've got... Um, I did go horse riding. Yes, I did. And I broke my nose. Uh, I've still got a slight bump, which is why I've never been um, a model. Um, a top you model. think that's the only reason? Yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, I've, I did a bit of horse riding. But talking about horse riding, hmm. um, I have got a horse at the moment. But it's not, it's not a real horse. It's a metal horse. Oh, this is the bike that you yeah, borrowed. Yeah, well, you're going to yes, borrow one too, yes. but that yours hasn't come yet. No. You're still waiting. I've got mine. And this is an e-bike, isn't I've got, it? Yeah, it's an electric bike, Judith. It's the ultimate in cheating. <laughs> it genuinely is. And you know that I live on the top of a vertical hill. I do. I mean, it really is. One oh, of it the... is a hill. It's a proper hill, oh, yes. I, mean, it's a... I have to walk backwards up it if I'm walking up it. <laughs> Because and I just sometimes there's a little bench halfway and I think oh I'm going to have to oh Jenny come on it's not that big a hill Judith I'm very unfit we'll talk about that yes. later as well so have you been whizzing up and down it in your bike I don't even have to pedal up the hill it's got this excel these are called Volt bikes we've both been lent one but yes. yours hasn't turned up yet um, mine has arrived and it's got this special power and honestly it's like being in a cartoon. <laughs> I'm just turning to sort of cartoon cyclist lady because at the bottom of the hill, I just press this button, this little lever thing, and it goes boom like that, kicks in. Yeah. And it just takes me up the hill. Wow. And, you know, other women are on their normal bikes and they're sort of puffing and puking up over the handlebars. (laughs) And I'm kind of just waving and I'm overtaking buses. 
Oh, it's marvellous. That's it, but yeah. But I, now, I don't mind going up the hill with a special yes. Oh, you wouldn't want to go down with it. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, Judith going down. That was going the very the idea. I, honestly, I had to get off at the traffic lights just to calm myself down. I bet you did. Well, I flew down the hill and it was just a bit too fast for me. I had to do breakings. And then oh, I thought... Oh, wait a minute, hold a minute. So can you break when you've got this whizzy thing going? Well, I didn't do the whizzy thing on the way down because no. I've got gravity on my side. I'm quite heavy, bike's quite heavy. <laughs> I'm going like the fucking clappers. Yeah, I can And imagine. there's potholes and everything and I'm really scared actually at this point I'm yes. really scared and then I have to get off at the lights and walk the bike for a bit yeah. it's like a runaway stallion down. yeah it is it's very much like a, but oh. it's big it is big in my hallway so you've got room for you oh you keep it in the hall oh it's tri- we're all tripping over oh, I bet it. you are you I know, know that's not Jeff's had a go but I wouldn't let him I said he had to stay on the pavement <laughs> Because I Did didn't you give really him stabilizers? Uh, well, he's he's just not very good. He's seventy, and he's just does he wobble yeah. around on it? Some oh, people do wobble, don't awful, they? Awful. They wobbling. haven't got a good centre of gravity. And then I let Phoebe go around the block, but I got so anxious about it, I ran round after, like <laughs> like, like, like I did she when was she was little. seven. Yeah, did yeah, you? Yeah. On a, God, do you remember I doing? I remember doing that when the girls are little, literally. Yeah, trotting yeah, along at yeah. behind, and then sort of careful, careful, watch and, out, careful. And, and then they'd say, "Don't let go, don't let, don't let go." And then you did let go because that's the only way they're going to learn. Who taught you oh, to yes, ride a bike? Yes, I don't remember who taught me how to do it. Be your dad. Yeah, but yeah, probably my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? When you when you do you take off for the first time on your bike, and you realise, oh. Oh, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, so we're going back to the garden. You've yes. got your mowers out. The mowers are out and they've had the to be serviced. Yeah, mm. yeah, well, so not, anyway. Yeah. And um, Why don't you, you get know. a sheep? Yeah, we thought about that. I think we might get sheep. I mean, they're, they're, they're not as low maintenance as you might think, apparently, because I have talked to somebody about get getting Get a donkey and a sheep. A donkey, that's an idea. I hadn't, oh. sort of, I hadn't, well, I hadn't thought about the donkey route. Um, but yes, because you know, they have to do their hooves and all sorts of weird well, things. Well, you have to do your hoof hooves. Why what, get, yes, just, what, get the cooperatives to come round yeah, and do... Yeah, just do a job lot. Yeah, that's an just idea, Just say there's me, it? Mike and the sheep. <laughs> and we all need doing it. And we all need a bit of a dip as well. <laughs> yes, Because I think I might have scabies. Idea. Very good idea. So until we do get the livestock uh, stock idea oh, going... <laughs> We are at the moment, um, yes. Using the machinery. Yeah, so you have to do... So that has has to happen, like, once a week, really. Once every two weeks. Yeah, minimum. Who's doing the driving? Is it you or Mike? Oh, Mike does the driving, yeah. And I often... Because I often have to do the emptying of the the, the thing. But But it's not just as simple as mowing the lawn, okay? There's the compost bins, which have to be... You know, so you make all this compost and then you have to distribute the fucking lot all around the around the beds. That's my current okay, what is What is in the compost? Are you cutting the grass? Is, does that go on the compost? Yeah, well, that goes on the compost. But then yeah. also all the weeding that you have to do, which is... You know, a nightmare with your knees. <sighs> yeah, exactly. And I've got, I've now got weeding thumb because you, you have to kind of pull them like that. Look at that, it was a swollen thumb. That's my weeding thumb. So then you have to shake off the weeds, obviously with the soil, and then most of it goes in the in the three large wheelie gardening bins that you have to struggle all over the gravel once a week to get to get emptied. 
But then the stuff that you shake off has to go in the compost. And it goes in the compost and, you know, and all your vegetable stuff's going in the compost, It's et cetera, a great stinking heap at the bottom of the three garden. Three heaps. I've got three of them. Three why, of these bloody three things. different compost? Well, because you've got such a big garden. So eventually, obviously, you start to run out of room in your three compost bins. So you have to start using it. So I've started to do that. I started to do that in the autumn, OK? Now... You're going to choke now, aren't you? Because something's happened to upset you. <laughs> so this spring... You kind of cry laughing. <laughs> this spring, all the weeds are coming up, aren't they? Because, you know, that's what's happened with weeds. They're all starting to come up. And they're coming where I put all the bloody compost. And that is because when you shake out the weeds, there are bits left in. So all I'm doing is redistributing the weeds. You've re-weeded. Instead of re-seeded, yes. you've re-weeded. I've re-weeded. So, what I'm doing, so now what I realise is that I've got three fucking great containers Never heard compost. you swear so much. <laughs> with bits of weeded. What on earth am I going to do with all that? Bag it up and put it in the car, I suspect. Oh, God. God, it's really just not worth it, is it? <laughs> Judith, you've mucked this up. What does Mike think now that Mike's back? Because Mike's been away, which yeah, well, is Mike's... why you made polenta cake and used everything yes, up in the absolutely. larder. Well, you know, he's been he hasn't there's been no gardening so far, I've noticed. You know, so that's Did he bring you a present back? He did. He brought me back um oh, God, some he... Joe Malone. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. he waited yeah. till he was at the airport. Yeah. Safest. <laughs> yes. So oh by far the safest. He did go into a into um a souk. A souk. Uh, but there have been there have been no pipes coming back or anything oh, ghastly like that. Nothing carved no, in wooden. No. But he brought back great big bags of dates. Huge great big bags of dates. I think this is a genius idea because now you can self manure your own garden. <laughs> You can sit there if need true. Stuff yourself true. with dates. Oh, it'll make a sticky compost. Maybe we need one of those drop loos in the garden. No, that's a terrible idea. What am I talking well, about? Well, I, I, I just think you, in need, the garden? Well, you don't need a drop loo in the garden. You just you need just, to sort of go out at dawn yeah. before anyone else is up and just have a bit of a crap all over your plant beds. So I have got very little to report in terms of gardening or fun. Uh, or anything really, because I've just been in book purge, haven't I? I'm Have on you? the last edits, and I've just been—I've been stuck there. I go out once a week uh, to my voiceover for the wonderful world of baby animals. Oh yes, we're looking forward to that. Oh, when's it coming out? Oh, that's on Channel Five sometime later on the Good. year. And I tell you, I mean, that is my little bit of light relief. Is it? Every yes, I come home and I think, what am I going to get? Am I going to get a bunny or a hamster or? A baby alligator or what am I going to get and Jeff and I I nearly went to Battersea Dogs Home uh, the other day yeah I really really did did well I I was on my way well it wasn't really Um, Jeff was going to a funeral uh, and I wasn't invited and I didn't know the fellow, yeah, you know. Fair so enough. anyway, it was somebody he used to yeah. work with. So he was off doing that, and I thought, well, you know, what shall I do? Left home alone, I'll go to Battersea Dogs Home. But then well, you thought you might sneak out I and thought, just get yeah, one, and smuggle yeah. one back but into then, the house. You know, but then um, Jeff walked in. He came home yesterday, mm. and he walked in dog shit and walked into the house. Ooh. And suddenly, the idea of having a dog, I thought, no, I've got an electric bike. I don't, I'll go out on that to get yeah, some exercise. I know. There's nothing like that for. Putting you off having a dog is the nah. 
The smell of dog shit is very, it's, very particular, isn't it? It's worse than anything else. It is, it is. I remember when we had a dog. If, if, if anybody but don't you trodden, love your own? Isn't oh, it? Oh, no, you don't. Really? You really don't. But, I mean, I could tell if somebody had trodden in some dog poo in the garden and brought even in the tiniest bit in, you can tell. The worst is that sort of slightly... Mm. I might gag here while I'm talking about it, Slightly mustard-coloured dog shit. Do you know what I mean? That gets... Oh, and it's I a do. bit squashy and it gets right oh, in the tread stop. of the trainer. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I remember bringing a, 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 a the Pip, we had a Labrador. When she was a puppy, I took her to have her vaccinations done at the vet, OK? And um, I think I remember this one. Big, slobbery-jawed black lab. <laughs> yes, With absolutely. With eyes. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I can't have yeah, a lab. Yeah, no. and I remember we had a new car, OK? So I went... Have I told you this before? So Probably, went, but I'll have forgotten. Okay, so it doesn't well, stop matter. Me so I went to the garage to pick up this new car, right? Then I took the dog to have her jabs at the yeah. vets. In the meantime, I went to Sainsbury's. So I've got all, all over the back seat, I've got all... Oh, I think I have told you. No, that. I like it. I want to it again. It's lovely. It's like a bedtime story from my mum. <laughs> Come on, tell me the one about the dog in the back of okay. the car. So, so I've been to Sainsbury's. Okay, so I go to the vets. I'm driving back home up the hill to Mount Royal. Remember yeah. that house? And out of the back of my eye, I can just see the dog on the back seat, sort of go, starting to go round in circles. Oh. You know, like they do before they do a poo. Oh, did they do that? <sighs> Spinning. So, so yeah. Shit spin. So, and I could see that that's, yeah, exactly. That's what she was doing. Couldn't stop because I was, you know, obviously in the car. So I got home and she had pooed all over the back of a brand new car, all over the Sainsbury's shopping, right? Okay. And then she'd got it all over herself. There's no no amount of rinsing. Oh. That's good. There's nothing. Did Was there anything? Did you look at a packet of rice and go, well, the shit's only on the outside. <laughs> I, I can nice. wipe this down <laughs> and not tell things. anybody. But you That's never terrible. go. So you've got some apples or some fruit, and if there's a shit, oh, you well, go in the bin. No, it's it was all, all over me. It was all over her. It was absolutely dreadful. Listen, um, we've got we've got a guest coming on. We have. This is, you know, I haven't read a book with my eyes, my actual eyes, mein Augen. That's in German. Very good. For um, over 18 months since I was diagnosed with dry eye yes. syndrome, I have switched all my leisure reading to Audible, and I saved my eyes for my proper work yeah so um anyway we our producer daisy said uh we've got this um guest we could have and she, her name is emily dean and she's written a book called everybody died so i got a dog and i thought great title mm. and we both got a copy yes, of this um, book yeah, and um i sort of mm. just had it on the edge of the bath and i dipped in and the font is not too teeny yes, tiny I hadn't thought about that how did you get on with it i read the whole oh. thing this is a Fantastic. real testament to this book it because is. i'm so nervous about overstraining my eyes and all that kind of thing so it was just and I, this was the perfect book to read with my eyes and it is a phenomenally good book and it's well she'll come in and talk to us I'm looking all forward about to seeing it. her I'm looking forward I to know, seeing it's a great book it's a great book she's a great writer and it's a terribly sad story but it's kind of got this silver lining and um there's, there's more dogs to come. We've, we've got quite. We've had a, a sort of rather heavy dog and gardening show, but I think that's saying a lot about where we are in our lives. It is, isn't it? We have guests. A guest has come in. 
And I don't know whether you know this, Emily Dean, but um, I was diagnosed with a dry eye condition about 18 months ago. I haven't read a book with my eyes since. I've done everything on Audible. Yeah. But this came through. Daisy, our producer, furnished us with a couple of co- co- uh, copies, one for me, one for Judith. We don't have to share. Oh, uh, she's generous. She, yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I pay for that, by the she way? She spoils yeah. us. Thank you very much, we'd like to say. And I have read this with my own eyes because I picked it up and I couldn't stop reading. You're oh. a very good writer. Oh, thank you. Well, this is a good start. Yes, it's, it's true. A good start. It's I was going to be rude about the theme music and say it sounded like the C-Fax music, but now I'm not going to. Don't. You, can you already have. <laughs> Do you know what it's based on? There's on. Um, a yoga teacher called Adrienne. I don't know whether you've heard of Adrienne on the YouTube. Oh. She's a cheerful girl from is Texas. She? Yes, she's lovely. And she does quite easy yoga for middle-aged women who pretend to is do yoga. Is there any other sort? There's no other sort, no. And we just we <laughs> pretend to do yoga. We just roll around our mats. Our mats and sort of um, go off and No, I'm changing coffee. it. I like that because you know what it is? It's more like a, a nice road trip movie. That's it's the beginning of a nice road trip. Yeah, before it all goes horribly wrong. That sounds wrong. good. We should do a road trip, shouldn't we? Oh, we could play that in the I don't know where that We'd go off each it. other. Uh, we'll talk about your book though now, yes. Emily, because it is, I mean, it's, a, it's, incred- it's a tragic, tragic story, but there are a huge amount of laughs in it. For me, okay, sum your book up for the listeners yeah. so they go out and buy it. Okay, so it's called Everybody Died, So I Got a Dog. And interestingly, I had a comic help me out slightly with that title inadvertently, which is Frank Skinner, who Mm. I do a radio show with. And I was, it was mid-show, and then he said, what are you going to call the book? And I said, well, there's a bit of pressure on me. And it was literally the, the clock was ticking down to the next link. And I said, I don't know what to call it, Frank. It's complicated. It's about loss. It's about getting a dog. It's about family relationships. There's a lot to get in there. And he said, just sum it up in 10 words. And I said, and I just blurted out. I said, everybody died, so I got a dog. A slightly irritable way. And actually, he said, that's your title. And I thought, what's interesting is that is the comic's mind. Is do it as succinct. I mean, you can tell me if that's right, but I think comics get there as quickly as possible. Yeah. Comics always want to sprint rather than do a marathon. Exactly. And it it actually does sum up everything that the book is about. I mean, it Mm. does what it says uh, on the tin. But when you first start reading it, you just think, well, this is an incredibly light-hearted book. And it's quite interesting because uh, as the book goes on, it it sort of proves that you you were a bit fucked up by your childhood. Yeah. But as... uh, uh, a sort of 59-year-old, so t- over 10 years older than you. Your childhood sounds idyllic because, of course, I was brought up in the north and just terribly jealous of anybody that oh, could really? have a London, a proper London childhood. Did you have dogs? No, okay. uh, and not until I left home. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, my mother missed me so much. Uh, she got a Westie, um, which ended up pissing in the wardrobe. But there you know, <laughs> it happens to us all. But, um, yeah, this childhood of yours, mm. which is, you know, in a Hampstead village. Is it, yeah, it's in Highgate, actually. Highgate. Um, but it was, yeah, it was... I always described it as sort of benevolent chaos. And it was warm and it was... And looking back, you know, ref, when, I, when I sort of reflect on it, it was fabulous. But at the time as a child, all I wanted was to be like the other kids and to have Tupperware. Like Tupperware to me was the dream. That mm-hmm. was what I wanted, a Labrador and Tupperware and a dad who was maybe an accountant and you'd have bedtimes and... You I mean, wanted ordinariness, which I wanted ordinary. And there's so all those children having ordinary yes. childhoods. I wanted your childhood, your your upbringing, and the glamour and the celebrities that were through your door. But I didn't, and that was what was interesting. Is it's like I compare it a bit to being like a circus child. In that, Frank always says it felt like your childhood was being in a green room. You were always on to a mm-hmm. degree. So 
we would have dinner parties and we didn't have tea or separate. We didn't have childish pursuits, me and my sister. There was no line. There was no boundary between adulthood and childhood. So we were kind of exposed to a lot. And it meant that we'd go to dinner parties and we'd get up the next morning and have the canapes would be for breakfast instead of cereal. And we'd be you'd be chatting to someone and my father would say, talk to that man, please. You'll sit next to him and be nice to him. And then you'd find out it was like Michael Furt, the leader of the opposition. And I was like, this is, <laughs> what am I meant to say to him? I'm six or seven. But... They just, and in a way that I kind of love that, and I talk about them in the present tense, weirdly, my family, because they are still sort of part of me, I think. Well, they're, they're incredibly alive, even yeah. though nobody is alive in your family. It was I know. sort of awful. No one gets out of that one alive, I'm afraid. It's <laughs> like... It doesn't. You just go, oh, no, not another one. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the sort of biggest death in the book, the, 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 the sort of heartbreak at the centre of the book mm. is the death of your sister. Yeah. Um, and I think that well, Judith and I have talked about sisters in, you know, in this podcast, and they're a sort of very special, if irritating thing. And I think we've seen the sort of sister in Fleabag re- recently, and all that kind of thing. And that's, you know, how much impact that's had on the television viewing yeah. public. Sisters are a real. If you've got one, Judith has an only child. They're sort of a real half your heart aren't they yeah and you feel it's interesting you refer to Fleabag because I don't want to do sort of spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it without giving anything away no in fact you know hurry up and see it come on come on just get on with it like the rest of us but uh I loved the ending of that because I felt it was essentially and ultimately a love affair between her and her sister absolutely and and to me you know you know, Frozen to give it its due. That's what that movie was doing. And I love this move towards that. And I was really conscious in my book of making it a sort of relationship. It's about my sister, that. It's a, it's a tribute to her. And, yeah, the relationship I had with her, especially when you grow up, it's like sort of army friendships or I imagine I in prison. I was an child. So, Were you? Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of moving schools and there was a little bit of that... Uh, the way you describe being on and performing and uh, sort of occupying a role. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a, a sort of, because I'm second daughter. Uh, so, you know, there was this sort of very sensible academic older sister and I was allowed to be the fucking idiot, basically, you know, in the show off. <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. And my father was very funny and very charismatic and my mother sort of was slightly the tempering. But it was so normal by comparison to your childhood which right. is you know this kind of slightly hand to mouth tell us about your parents jobs for yeah. starters well my mum was an actor and I mean I use that word kind of advisedly <laughs> let's be honest like, you know love you mum god rest your soul but the parts weren't coming thick and fast my mum was trained in a very old fashion she went to RADA mm. you know in the old days and she would, I remember she would tell us and my sister and I would just burst out laughing you know when you get the giggle so badly and have to leave because we knew she took this very seriously and a, a, a sort of camp stage manager friend of hers, which was all her friends essentially, he would say, your mother just, you know, she she can't get through a sentence without saying she went to RADA. He said, she walks into a <laughs> shop and says, 20 silk cut and I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Thank you. I'd, I'd have been exactly the same. I didn't get in and it still rankles to this very day. So your oh, mother fantastic. is a sort of... It was like she would walk into a room and the fact that she went to RADA had arrived 10 minutes earlier. And so... I think she sort of, if I'm honest, she was from a very um, humble background. And I think my dad, who was from a very wealthy family and was very cultured and intellectual, I think he represented a passport. You know, there was all sorts of... But I think she fell in love with him. But also, he did this show called Late Night Lineup, which was an art show in the 60s. And it it was sort of like a salon. 
Do you know what I mean? It was like an old-fashioned salon where these people would just come into our house and whoever happened to be there, whether it was me or my sister, it might be some weird philosopher, it might be, you know, it could be anyone. It could be a writer, it could be Doris Lessig. Again, now, I think that's fantastic. It wasn't just your family, though, was it? I mean, it was next doors. Your godmother was Lindsay DePaul. Yeah, but younger listeners may not be aware of her, but, well... She was incredible. Well, she was a pop star. Uh, um, I can't visualise her, but she was so beautiful. She She was a tiny little elf woman with blonde hair and a mole on her upper lip. Oh, yes. Jenny, she like you. Yes. I mean, she was... She was incredibly glamorous and not of this world, really. No. And the the fact that she lived next door to you in what's in another sort of bohemian castle type princess yeah. with cats thing is very fits in. It all fits in. It's all sort of top hats and velvet <laughs> opera coats and and it just so you're reading this book and you're just going, well, what have you got to complain about? You know, you go, you're a North London girl with all the all the fashionable clothes and your mum lets you do what you like and your dad is eccentric and clever and has always got an answer for everything and you mm. get taken to the BBC and you're surrounded by and there's next door neighbour, your, your godmother who's Lindsay DePaul who's on top of the pops and then she's having an affair with James Coburn and you're, you're chatting away with James Coburn and then it all goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because it was only when... I suppose, you know, I start the second bit because people often do with autobiography. It's your life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's but I suppose with a memoir, which this is, it's um, it's less the story of your life and more sort of a story that happened within your life. And with me, I've talked about my childhood, but I've also talked about the most seismic thing that happened to change my life, which was then my sister got diagnosed with cancer very suddenly. She'd gone down the sort of... She'd rebelled against my parents, essentially. Um, whereas I'd, oddly, I think without even realising it, I'd conformed by being rebellious. So, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so when you say that she rebelled, she actually, as I understand it, sort of uh, craved normality in the yeah. way that you actually did, in the in the sense that you envied families at school yeah, that were yeah, kind of yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, but she... So she didn't sort of enter this glamorous world of showbiz. She... No. She, she got had married, two she had the Farron Ball sort of, you know, front door and the puppy called Giggle and she had stability and, and this kind of domestic thing. And I sort of thought, well, I I got that vicariously through her. The book is is kind of hung on childhood animals, the animals you didn't have, the animals you wanted to have, the fact that you ended up with cats rather than dogs yeah. because of that, you were the it's kind cats of cats are sort of commitment phobes, really. I mean, I yes. love them. I don't know if you guys have got... I've you, got one, but I don't, like it. I don't like it much. <laughs> I really don't like living with it much, but yeah. And I've never had a pet, which speaks volumes about me and my sort of problems. And but you did that... remember to have children. Oh, <laughs> only, only the one, though. Oh, you got the one? Uh, yes, accidental one. Judith <laughs> went into it and planned it and did it properly. How many does Judith have? Two. Yeah, that's... Okay. Oh, Judith's yeah. the Farrow and Ball one of the partnership. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, you I'm had a... the mad night and... <laughs> but then I had the very good sense to... Um, because I really uh, deserve to be living in a gutter with needles hanging out my arms. <laughs> I mean, I was the sort of... You know, I had the anorexia and I did all the drugs. And right. I sort of was a punk poet. And then, But I did have... And what I think, you know, most of us need mm. who have these 
propensities in our life to be quite self-destructive. Yes. I had the one stroke of good luck and good sense was to find a man yeah. who would save me. Yeah. And it was the most fortunate uh, coincidence of, of meeting, of, you know, him. Do you meeting. think he saved you or you saved yourself, though? Um, I think I saved myself in finding him and yes. going, there is my rock, there is yeah, my yeah, yeah. port in my, the, you know, the port for my storm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saved myself by recognising that this yes. was the man that would stop, that would slow me down. Yes. That would uh, kind of give me somewhere to go when I couldn't be anywhere else. Yes, yes, and, I see that. And I think that that, you know, maybe he was my Labrador or whatever. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, uh, and I. You know, my husband, my Labrador. Yeah, you didn't. You you didn't find that. Well, I. Do you know what? It's weird, and I intentionally did. And I. It's whatever works for you, mm. I suppose. But I think what was da- damaging for me was looking to be saved, actually. Got but you. that was only for me because. I think my damage was possibly different, and I don't know if your dad hung around, but... Oh, very much so. Well, that's I mean, what I mean. army, but always there. That's what I mean. I think if you've always had a stable father, mm. you don't have a hole, you know, where that where that should be, that sort of male God, space really is. that's really interesting. I think if you have a stable male sort of figure in your life, you can, you know, you might have your mad period, mm-hmm. you know, we can all go through that, but... But there's you, a security. There's a security there, and that, that, so. there's not that hole. And I think for me, the problem is I had that hole, and I think by rushing into a relationship and looking for a male figure to save me, it would have been a replacement father figure, and that's what kept happening. So the, the person so, that that sort of uh, I had was, to sort of do it myself. But you, but your sister became yeah the most stable part of your life. Exactly the, the person that you could go to. You, I mean, your relationship and the way you describe it in the book is very beautiful. Oh, it is beautiful. Oh. It really is beautiful, Emily. That yeah, she the was, love you had for each other, and she and the she comedy you it. so much, didn't she? Yes, I know. It is. It's a very very funny book. Oh well, my she, goodness. It was interesting because I just remember, and what I loved, even though she went very suddenly, she died within sort of a three-week period, and it was all literally from the Topshop changing room where we'd have these rap battle slams, you know, which is, you know, she'd say, oh, tell about that top, but, you know, I just got back from a through and I've opened a stall in Camden Market. You know, we yeah. would really put each other you down with it. You had a shorthand. Yeah, we had that shorthand. And I think it was just to go from that to the suddenly she wasn't here anymore. But I was in a strange way, you know, she kept saying to me about how she looked when she asked me to get a wig for her. And she said, which I loved, you know, I'll never forget that. And again, I I do mention that in the book, but she said she said to me, get me a wig and make sure it doesn't make me look like Matt Lucas in Little Britain. (laughs) I don't (laughs) want my daughter. And it was just that never left her. So Mm. the swiftness, the tax you pay is obviously the shock, but you deal with that. But I always felt I'd rather take the burden of that in a way. And all of us took the burden and she was just gone. And she never changed who she was or her sensibility never changed. Even at the last minute, you know, the last day that she died in the intensive care, my mother's being as theatrical as ever, you know, sort of laughing and taking the piss out of the priest who's come and giving him a drag queen name and saying she. And but that's your mother's way of coping. It's a sort yeah. of form of denial, wasn't totally. it? Totally. To go into some kind of fantasy world yeah. that wasn't really touching base with reality. And then your yeah. father's there, but he's also absent because yeah. by this point he's... Is he? Has he already started showing signs of... Um... He had Alzheimer's already and we knew that. But you know what, Jenny, it was like, my sister said, well, how would you tell? I mean, he's sort of, you know, he wanders off anyway. And 
I think my dad always inhabited a different sphere. He was he was honestly on another planet. It was like he was he was a proper intellectual in the old fashioned sense. If that I'm quite selfish. Sense. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and lived at a time when that could be enabled, you know, because my mum would say, you know, or your father's thinking or your father's reading the psychology really? of consciousness in the your breakdown of my camera mind. Or, so give him space, you know, give him time. Yeah. That's what he should be doing. Yeah. <gasps> Isn't that extraordinary? So, so he lived on a different plane, didn't he, really, where he didn't actually have to... Muck in. Yeah, muck in. No, totally not no, muck in. No, we just... And sometimes there were certain things, like I say, because my mum thought people who woke up before 10 were freaks. So my dad would have to do some things like that. Like But he was... He would just be... They'd be reading poetry and... Sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, so, no, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I mean, I think what strikes me when you're talking about your sister and this context that we're talking about that, that of your family, which is extraordinary, is that losing Rachel, your sister, was kind of the worst... She was the worst one to go, if yeah. it, it wasn't she. That, yeah, she that, was. That she was your world. She was everything. She was your ally. She, so you've had to face, the you know, the worst loss. Yes. Really, really an unexpected loss. Without and, the person that you could have faced yeah. everything with. Well, also, you know, you know when you get that thing, it's like when you've got a slightly eccentric friend mm-hmm. and you can tolerate their company when you've got another friend. Do you know what I mean? You can slightly, you can eye roll at them in a, in a, with a sort of affection. You can view them through the prism of your mate. With my family, I felt my sister and I had each other and it diluted my parents' intensity. So as soon as my sister left, mm. I felt kind of betrayed. I felt, I remember sort of joking to myself because I used to talk to her sometimes and I'd say, thanks a fucking lot. You've left me with these lunatics. Yeah. And I felt she'd honestly I felt I was I was stuck at this weird sort of party in Berlin, you know, with all these weird characters and she just gone. She just left. And everybody changed, didn't they? I mean in the book yeah. you say, and I think this is very true of grief, isn't it? Is that is in in a family when when put one person goes, the dynamics change, people's personalities change, and you say that it was like lifting a rock mm. and all this stuff came out. Yeah. I think that's how you put it, isn't it? The dynamics absolutely changed because suddenly my mother, our relationship became very intense and and it changed everything. And suddenly my father, all his chaos and his us cleaning up his messes and all that sort of stuff, that suddenly became a a solitary burden. And that suddenly felt everything was just to the power of 11 suddenly. Um, And so that was tough. But yeah, the the kitchen floor, I used to call them my kitchen floor parties. That's what I would say to my therapist. I said I had another kitchen floor party the other night, which was just when I would get home and I would shut the door and I would just lie down. And it was really odd. And I think it was something about being literally on the ground. Mm. Can't go any lower. Yeah. Gosh, isn't that interesting? It was really odd that there's something very psychological about that, that it was sort of... And it's holding you as well. Yes, a, it's yeah. a, You cannot drop anymore because it is solid beneath you. I know exactly yeah. that feeling. You can have your uh, your cheek on the cool... Have you ever done it? Oh, God, yes. Have you? Yes. Oh, so many times in so many different places. It doesn't have really? to be a kitchen floor. It can be a hotel room. Yeah, just get down. <laughs> Look, Jenny's giving practical tips. can be a hotel room. <laughs> you it could, can be you know, carpet maybe... under your cheek. It can be lino. I think that... Most people who, I mean, you don't need to have gone through what you've got. Yeah. I mean, when you say this closeness with your sister, I mean, mm. the, the, the things that you've uh, had experienced together, including yeah. finding your own grandmother dead. Yeah, which was weird. And again, it was really strange because when 
um, friends of mine read that. I had to actually change that because friends said it happened so suddenly and it was like there were no parents involved. It was like you and your sister discovered her. And I said, well, that is what happened. That It sort of, again, with my parents, it, it kind of didn't occur to them to say, right, we'll deal with this and then you're... Well, they sent you round to her flat in Brixton yeah. for, so that they yeah. could get on with their own weekends a bit. And a little were, bit, yeah. They were dealing with their own marital breakup. They were I dealing think. with a breakup and there was all sorts of other weird stuff going on. So we would go around to my grandmother's who was... You know, she had five husbands and she was absolute... I mean, she was an amazing woman, but um, she was eccentric. But it, yet again, not another person another person in your life who's not going to supply, you know, the apple crumble and no. the sort of... she wasn't the Werther's Originals grandmother. She was, you know, she was um, more some, yeah, fan de sacre, sort of cabaret dancer. I mean, she was just... So there was this, I suppose, going back to what we were saying at the very beginning about this idea of the glamour and... You read the beginning of the book and you think, wow, you know, it's so exciting mm. meeting all these people. And actually you realise that you need a stage manager in there, you know, in every show or tour manager or mm. someone or producer, someone to say, OK, everyone calm down. Yeah, time to go home And now. it's bedtime and the lights need to go mm. off. We, need to... we didn't have that because everyone we encountered was um, sort of having a party. So I guess my sister, for me... She was, even as a child, there was just this sense of, I'll be all right with her. I'll be safe with her. Mm. I mean, mm. we have to finish now, but uh, Oh, no, but do, I love it here. Can't we just... All we like it because the lighting here. is very flattering. The lighting's great. And we the, I we love need to it get here. on to... The, the, the dog. The, the dog. The bloody the, dog. It's in the title, So I Got a Dog. <laughs> this is the final bit of the therapy, yeah. really. Yeah. And tell us about the dog. Well, I got the dog... He's called Raymond, and he has changed my life. I can't honestly tell Gosh, you. How? He's because... He's I haven't got a dog, but I, I'm You're a dog person, verge. though, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I, She's I've got had to a get dog one family life. You've she, had a dog yes. family. And you, yes. have you got the Westie in the wardrobe? Well, I'd I read that book. <laughs> I would read yes, that I would book. Out P.D. James thriller. Westie, um, Army, words like, you know, and, and I'm now... Very much sniffing around the dachshund. <laughs> oh, it sounds like Raymond. Yeah. He did that earlier. Yeah, I love a dachshund. Yeah. Can I tell you, so there's three reasons why you both need to get dogs. Okay. okay. How old are your children, by the way? Yours is about to get married. Hers has just got, got married. married. Just got married. Very sweet of you to listen. But yes, yeah. So thirty and twenty-seven. Mine too. <gasps> and mine's no, thirty. Yeah. Both got empty nests. We both got empty you nests. Need That's the why dogs, we need the dogs. Women. Yeah, you so need the dogs. Women. You need the dogs. Okay. So these are why I'm going to sell this okay. dog. To I'm you. going Go to then. actually write this down. Okay. Oh my god. I'm yeah. stiff. I'm stiff with stress. So Claire's got the fountain <laughs> pen poised. So you need to get a dog because. They teach you to live in the present in ways I couldn't possibly have imagined. Oh, that's so interesting. That's really because interesting. dogs are incapable of living any other way. Because yes. you know why they say to you, don't tell a dog off if it wheeze? Because he literally cannot remember. He can't associate the bad thing he did with why you're telling it him now. Unless Their brains the wired differently yeah. to ours. So it means that if you shout at a dog and then 10 minutes later you wave a tree... He's just focused on the tree. A human being will still be saying, I'm still really upset about that when you yelled at me. Dogs they don't, don't care. sulk. Forget it. No grudges. No grudges. Don't <laughs> sulk. Number two, dogs allow you to shed some of that territorial hostility that I think is ingrained in all of us, especially if you live in London. This, wait a minute. This is complicated. So, Say it again. So, okay. Do you mean talking to strangers? Yes, I do. 
So it's almost like my instinct in a park would be I would just look at someone and think I don't want to speak to them because I live in London and I'm urban and sharp and cool. That's kind of like you. And then I think, actually, I've ended up making so many nice friends. My pensioner friends who've got minty and salty, they're a bit judgmental, but that's all right. I'm not sure how they would have voted in the referendum. Yeah, no, but, don't go you know, there. I know. <laughs> but we can relate on dogs. And you know what I've noticed? Like, if I take Ray out, I was in the city once, and all these businessmen, they were smiling, these stressed. Oh, so how I interesting. Think it's like having how interesting. sort of, yeah, it's like giving someone a treat, you know. It's like you suddenly have this power of kindness and mm. gentleness. Which is why they use them as therapists, don't yeah. they? I mean, they mm. take them into uh, into wards. So yeah. put down, have you it down brings out the best Dogs two. allow you to shed your territorial hostility. Uh, and I'm going to write, stroke it brings, the best brings out the best uh, in people. In people. Okay. I've, yeah. And, okay, they've got two. Shall I give them another one? Yes, we need number three. <laughs> um... The other thing I would say is they provide, which you'll both need with the empty nest, is that structure and routine, which I quite like, which is just that sense. No, but it's nice to have that sense of uh, it's a permanence, you know, and it's really nice. It's like, well, actually, his bowls at there every day. I need to feed it. I need to look after him. I think I it's important to, to look out, after something. Outside, go out, fresh air. Yeah, exactly. T- the fresh air, be in a green space, leave your phone at home, go for the walk. And Gandhi said, everyone needs to clean the latrine. You've got to pick up poo. It's very grounding. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Only Literally grounding. Poo. Literally <laughs> grounding. See, I thought the third one was yep. going to be mm. unconditional love. love. No, the unconditional love, you're absolutely right to raise that. And I, it, it is, whatever happens, I always say, Ray... Imagine coming home and you're treated like you've just won the World Cup. Every time you put your key in the door, it's um, you're a god. You're a god. And that's, there's something amazing about that. Wow. We must say thank you, Emily. We oh, really I love the book. It's a brilliant thank book, Emily. And, and it's insightful and it's funny and it's heartwarming. And, and it's, it's heartbreaking great. and it's making us both want to buy dogs to make <gasps> our lives better. Oh, I hope you do. Well, I've loved coming on here and I love you too. Uh, it's lovely. Thank you very much. Indeed. Thank you. We're going to play ourselves out now. I'm exhausted. <gasps> Are you? Yeah. <laughs> 